Well, good morning, guys. How are you? I love it. The battle belongs to the Lord. Sherry was saying something this morning. We, we sang, look to the sun, and right after, the battle belongs to the Lord. Look to the sun, because the battle belongs to him. And I love, man, I, was, I, I did everything to keep myself from coming up here. It may happen in second service. I don't know. But that second song where we're singing, battle belongs to the Lord, and those drums... When those drums started, see, some of you have forgotten that beat, that sound that's coming from heaven. The kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom is eternal. It's everlasting. And there's a drum beat. There's a song. There's a music that's flowing from the throne of God. And you've forgotten it because you're looking at our nation. You're looking at people to save you when there's only one Savior, Jesus Christ. And that drum beat, man, I was just jazzed. I was starting to dance around back there because I used to do that at secular concerts. I don't know why I'm constrained not to do it here when we're worshiping the Lord. But his is an everlasting kingdom and his kingdom is here amongst us and in us and it's coming again. Jesus is coming again. The name of this series is Not Afraid. So everybody say not with me. Not. Oh man, you've got to get loud. This side's got to get louder. I think the, the booth was the loudest over there because they had a lot of stuff to be afraid about because the computer wasn't working, a bunch of stuff, but we're saying, Holy Spirit, take over. So I want you to say it with me, not, not. That's right. If there's any time that as believers, we need to be not afraid, it is now. And I know that many of you have questions in your heart about our nation. There's a sense of instability right now, a shaking going on in our world and nation. And it seems like darkness rules, but there is a rock of ages. There is a rock by which we stand upon that is higher than I, that David said, in whom we stand on and will not be shaken. The chief cornerstone, Jesus. You see, no matter what's happening in our country, no matter what's happening with COVID-19, the fact of your Christian life is this. Jesus is alive and real today as much as he ever was or ever will be. God is not panicked. He's not taken aback. He's not surprised. He's not afraid. We have to remember that our God is always faithful. He's always in control. Our God is good. Our God has a plan. Our God will never leave us or forsake us. And listen, he's working all things, all things, everywhere, every time, every day. And he will never leave you. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever it is, our God is working for good. Whatever battle you're facing, our God is with you. If our God is for you, who can be against you? We as followers of Jesus live by faith, not fear. In fact, speaking of knots, right? Remember, I made you say not. You're going to have to say that a few times. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Say not with me. Not. He has not given you a spirit of fear or timidity. We are not panicking, body of Christ. But many of us are still panicking. See, I liken our times to a great storm. And there's these whirlpools that people are getting sucked into. The world is getting sucked into. And we as Christ followers can get sucked in as well. But we have to remember that this world is not our home. The Bible says Satan is the God of this world and of this world's system. And his role is to deceive the nations and create a whirlpool of lies and chaos. But we serve a risen king and our kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Our filter is not the same as the world. 
In fact, the Bible tells us that we should not, say it with me, not be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can test and improve what God's perfect good will is. His perfect will. Derek's right. I was reading in Acts this morning. I've got my Bible here. I probably should do it. And and man, the time, it's going to be crazy. Brian, you're going to have to stop me. But listen, I was reading, and it talks about how the disciples in Acts were proclaiming. And they said, enable your servants to speak with boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. But right before that, Peter says something really cool. He says, they didn't know. Caesar didn't know. All these people didn't know when they condemned the conspiracy they had against the anointed one, your anointed one. But it says right after that, he says, but Father, it was your will and power that did it. Derek's right, it's his will and power that's moving right now, and we have to see it. God is orchestrating things. He's moving, and he's moving in power. We don't panic. We are not like the world, and we do not think like the world. We don't respond like the world responds. So how do we respond when it feels like the world is falling apart? Number one, we live by faith and not fear. We live by faith, not by fear. If you remember when Jesus chose the disciples, I love it, it says he went up on a mountain and he was praying. He prayed the whole night. And it says he came down and he picked 12 of them. There was a lot he could have picked from. He picked 12 of them after all night of praying. And he said two things, which is a pattern for us. He said he picked 12 to be with him, and then he sent them. But see, we get it all wrong. We get worried. We get fearful. We're like, what do I do? What do I do? What's happening? And we're about being sent, or we're about doing, 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 pacifying the fear and the worries and the anxieties and doing it, whatever, video games, what, even just things, that we, whatever it is. But Jesus says, be with me first. And I believe in this new year, that's what Jesus is saying to the body of Christ. Be with me, be with me. How can you see what's out there if you don't be with me and see through my eyes? Remember Jesus in the boat? Remember there's two amazing boats in the Bible. Jesus is always teaching around Galilee. The crowds didn't get to do this. He's like, all right, disciples, we're gonna go learn what I just said. Get in the boat, right? If I'm a disciple, I, the second time I would have learned something. I'm like, this, something's going to happen. I'm just going to kind of sneak back into the crowd. No, they go forward. But that first boat, remember, they're in the Sea of Galilee. And I've been there. It's amazing to see. And they're in the Sea of Galilee. And a storm's up. It starts brewing, and they're afraid. They're fearful. And where's Jesus, if you remember the story? He's in the boat sleeping. He gets a cushion, and he's laying down. He brings a pillow to the storm. How many of you have a pillow right now in the times that we live in? See, there's a a way to rest in the Lord, to be with him, to be with him. Seeing the glory of the Lord in the secret place. See, most of our fear comes out of not being with him, spending time at the feet of Jesus. We get the do part in a good or bad way, right? We're busy even during the pandemic, filled with distractions to keep our minds off of the worry and the fear. You see, to be with him doesn't mean safety. In fact, in order to learn he's Lord over the storm, it means facing the storm. Remember the second boat experience? They had just got done. This miraculous thing had just happened. They multiplied. Jesus broke 
a puny little thing that a kid had and fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And it says in the scriptures, there were 12 baskets left over. Why? One for each disciple. And it says immediately in Mark, immediately, Jesus commanded them to get in the boat. I would have been like, what are you up to, Jesus? They get in the boat. What do they have at their feet? 12 baskets of food. And then this big storm comes up and Jesus isn't with them this time. Jesus is on the mountain praying. And if, you can, if you've been there, you can see it wherever he was around the Sea of Galilee. He could see them. He could see them. And he's praying. And then the wind and the storm comes up. It's the chaos. It's moving. And the disciples are afraid. They're fearful. They're going to die. They know they're going about to die. And Jesus is walking on water. And he doesn't go to them. He walks on. They think he's a ghost. And finally, they realize who it is, and they cry out to him, Jesus, save us. And he gets on the boat and says, where is your faith? And he calms with just one word. You see, they had in that boat with them faith food, God's provision that said Jesus is able. Twelve baskets of leftovers right there in the boat with them, probably rolling around, moving around. Where's your faith, he says. Where is your faith? And it says in Mark, a really interesting thing after this event. It says, they had not learned the lesson of the fish and loaves because their hearts were hard. What did they do in that storm? What did they have in the storm? They had just seen him multiply the fish and the loaves and immediately they got in the boat carrying the baskets of miraculous leftovers. They had at their feet a reminder that God is able. It was faith food. And he says, where's your faith? Listen, let me ask you a question. What feeds your faith? The word of God. It's faith food. Are you reading the word of God? You have it at your feet. You have it at your home. You got it on your phone. You have it right there. This is what feeds your faith. It's the word of God. How many of you know the word of God? But you forget it so easy and your eyes get on the world, the nation, the storm, your problems, whatever it is in your life. They had faith food to remind them of who Jesus was, but it failed them in the moment because their eyes were on the storm, not on Jesus. You see, we're talking about not being afraid with the emphasis on not. And the Bible says, do not fear. It's the most reiterated command in the Bible. See, fear is expecting the devil to move. Faith is expecting God to move. Faith has eyes on me, the world, and the devil. Faith has eyes on Jesus. But you see, this is talking about the bad kind of fear, right? There's a good kind of fear. When I swerve out of the way of that person getting ready to hit me, when I don't touch the thing, I've got a, a Band-Aid right now because I was being crazy with this knife we got for Christmas and I like, I hit my, my thumb. There's a, I should be fearing that knife, right? There's a good kind of fear. You see, there's a good kind of fear and a bad kind of fear. Sometimes we call it rational fear or irrational fear. Good fear is protective. Bad fear is paralyzing. Good fear is empowering. Bad fear is enslaving. And God will sometimes challenge both of those. It was rational for them to be afraid of the storm, right? 
It was rational to tell Jesus to send the people away because it was late and they had no food. But they are seeing from their own perspective, not God's perspective. They don't have faith eyes to know that that's when the miracle happens. That's when we learn something about Jesus. He often teaches us in the storm and will challenge our rational and irrational fears. And here's why. Because he wants you to know that he is Lord over all. He is Lord over the storm. He is Lord over all things. He's Lord over your children. He's Lord over your business. He's Lord over this church. And he's Lord over our nation. You probably heard the expression that the safest place is the center of God's will. But what if the center of God's will is the center of a storm? See, we take that to mean the will of God is safe, but being in the will of God is not safe, but it's the safest place because he's there. Jesus said, I am with you always. We see him with our spiritual eyes. When we read the scriptures, we see Jesus. It's our faith food in the scriptures. He opens our hearts to the word of God and feeds our faith. And we take what we've heard in the light and it helps us in the dark. But some of you aren't remembering what he spoke to you in the light and it's dark right now and you're fearful. You've got to remember the believer who wrote that expression was Corrie Ten Boom. Some of you might know that of her. She was a believer and she was actually in a, a Nazi concentration camp and she coined the phrase, the safest place is to be at the center of God's will. 45 days later in her journal when she wrote that quote, she found herself in a Nazi concentration camp and she wrote this. There is no pit that he is not deeper still. Listen, I don't know what pit you're in. I don't know what pit you're in. I don't know your pain. I don't know your pain, but Jesus does. He went to the lowest pit on the cross. He knows, he sees, and he will meet you there. Right now, the storms are surrounding us. There's chaos. We have a violent enemy that wants to still kill and destroy. He wants the church moving in the wrong direction. Fear, porn, Adultery, abuse, suicide. He wants to steal your joy, steal your peace. And he wants us to forget that our father in heaven is all powerful, all knowing, and he's everywhere. See, faith helps you to remember. And remember, it's his word that feeds your faith. It's faith food. See, the Bible says, or the Bible, the Bible says, it's not the Bible. Faith is always based on who God is, and what he has said in the Bible. It's really important. It's really important you understand that. See, the Bible uses two Greek words to describe the word, to describe that Greek word, word. One is logos, and the other is rema. Logos is the fixed word of the Bible, unchanging, rock solid. But then the Holy Spirit takes it, and it becomes what's called a rema word into your circumstance. Remember, it's alive and active. You know some of the scriptures about the word of God. The armor of God, right? What is the sword of the spirit? It's the word, the rema of God. In Hebrews, it's the word of God, the rema. That's the word rema there. The rema is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. You wanna see how Jesus used both of them? It's right there. He said to the devil when he was being tempted, when it was dark, when the spirit led him to be tempted in the wilderness. We need to remember that. Jesus is one that guided them in the boat, right? He commanded them in the boat. The Holy Spirit's the one that led Jesus out to be tempted in the wilderness. But listen, this is what he said to the devil. He took a Logos word, and it was fitting right then. It is written, Logos, 
Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word, Rema, that comes from the mouth of God. And some of you need to start getting in the word, allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate your heart with the word of God and speaking forth what he has in there to declare it over your life. Jesus had faith food. And we need to declare God's word into the situation and over our lives. It says they did not understand the fish and loaves when they were in the boat because their hearts were hardened. Faith food, the Bible softens our hearts to let him speak and it activates your faith and it opens our eyes. And I know some of you are like, well, Brian, I just don't have faith. I just, I don't have faith, Brian. Listen, faith is a gift from God. He gives it. You are not the source of faith. He is Feed off the Bible, feed off his word, and you'll find faith. You'll find it rising up in you because that book opens your eyes. It opens the eyes of your faith. It puts your eyes on Jesus, not on the storm, which is the next point. We need our faith eyes opened. I want to show you an event in the prophet Elisha's life. I like Elisha a lot. He's really cool. 2 Kings six fifteen through 17 says this. When the servant of the, the man of God, that's Elisha, got up and went out early next morning, an army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? See, isn't that the first thing we do? We forget to be with him and we start looking for something to do. How do I handle the situation? What do I do? Instead of be with him, the servant asked, and I love what Elisha says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, and I love it. So he does two things. He declares, do not be afraid. And then he prays. And he says, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw a hill full of horses and chariots and fire all around Elisha. They had surrounded the city. Man, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like every day I wake up, I already feel surrounded. I already feel surrounded, right? Everything in the world. Derek's talking about waking up. Your first thing you do is the news instead of the word. And you already feel surrounded with pressure and problems. See, there are troubles because the enemy army has come to take him out. The enemy has a plan to take us out as TBA and as individuals in your marriage, in your children. He has a plan to rob you of the blessings, to discourage you. He wants you to move backwards, not forwards. But God has a plan to move you forward. His church goes forward and the gates of hell will not stand up against it. He moves us forward. And he takes the very thing the enemy wants to destroy you with and he uses it to deliver you. Let me say that again. God is using the very thing the enemy is trying to destroy you with, but he's gonna use it to deliver you. He's going to deliver you. And he's in the battle. He's in the battle. I love how God brings our music and our word together. And he says in Elisha in verse 15, oh my Lord, what shall we do? So Elijah does the two things I said earlier. He declares, don't be afraid, and he prays. Listen, I know some of you about what I'm about to say. You're like, I'm not gonna do that, Brian. But you need to start to declare the word of God out loud. You need to start to declare it. Listen, you're like, I don't do that. You're declaring stuff all the time. Now, my, my, I don't know this, but my kids tell me that my wife sometimes talks to other drivers out loud. <laughs> there, there's one way that, that we talk out loud. 
So why not this, the living word of God that's alive and active, that's the Rema word. Why don't we speak it out loud? Listen, you may think I'm a fool, but there are times in my house and I'm fearful and I rise up and I say, I will not be afraid. The Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? Whom shall I fear? And you need to start declaring it every morning, waking up before you read the news. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my helper today. And declaring it out loud. Sometimes you need to declare it. See, the problem isn't the enemy, it's the servant's fear. The problem isn't the enemy, it's the, ser- it's the servant's fear. That's the problem. All the servant sees is the enemy all around. This is where your spiritual eyes are important. We walk by faith, not by sight. The problem is we're using our physical eyes and not our spiritual eyes. Your spiritual eyes are supposed to inform your physical eyes. And what I mean by that is exactly what Derek said. You read the news first before the word. You look at the world with your physical eyes instead of getting in the world or getting in the word and having spiritual eyes to see and then looking at the things around you, then looking at the news and processing it through what Christ says. Your spiritual eyes are supposed to inform your physical eyes. You're like, I don't see any help. I don't see God moving. I, I don't, where's he at? The problem is your sight. You've got to wake up twice in the morning. How many of you know that? You've got to wake up twice in the morning. Say two times. Say dose. I just said that like a Polk County boy. Dose. Orlando's going to be mad at me. I don't know where he's at. Listen, you've got to wake up two times in the morning. You've got to wake up your spiritual eyes. You've got to wake up your spiritual eyes. You gotta get the word in you and on you and through you. It's desperate right now in our times. You gotta do it before you open up those physical eyes, before you look at the news, before you look at the world. See, the servant sees sees enemies, but Elisha sees deliverance. Do you see deliverance right now? It's okay if you're honest. It's okay. You're looking for it, all right? But notice it's a night and day different between Elisha and the servant. And here's what's beautiful. Here's what's beautiful. You're looking for it, here's what's beautiful. It doesn't say that Elisha prayed and then God sent horses and chariots. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. They were already there. He just had to open his eyes, his spiritual eyes. The help you need, it's already there. God is here. And he's moving. It's not that God doesn't see you. It's you don't see God right now. And you need your faith eyes to be opened. We need to look past the enemy to see the Lord. They were surrounded. Picture it. Picture somebody surrounding your house right now. Picture somebody surrounding your house. Where do we want the Lord? I want him right here. Lord, get right here, Lord. Get right next to me. But that's not where he's at. He's surrounding the enemy. He's surrounding the enemy. The battle belongs to the Lord. Let me ask you something this morning. See, I believe we're supposed to declare over ourselves, right? Do not be afraid. You need to do that. But I want to ask you, where's your Elisha? Who's the Elisha in your life that says, Sherry, Brian, do not fear. Who's the Elisha in your life where we're just like the servants and we're beat down and we're looking at the world and all we see is with our physical eyes. Where is your Elisha? 
Who's the one that's declaring over you, do not be afraid? Where's your Elisha? And how are you declaring it over someone else? Or are they declaring it over yourself? Ephesians says this. Well, actually, I'm sorry, let me back up. Because when Elisha prays, he says, open his eyes. Open his eyes. And he declares that over him. Ephesians says this, and, and I love Ephesians, one of my favorite books. I'm starting to like even Colossians more, they're very similar. But Ephesians says, Jesus is the source for everything in the church. You know what that means? He's the source of everything in your life right now. Him alone, not the government, not anybody. Jesus Christ alone. It says his fullness fills us, but we forget. So Paul prays a powerful prayer of revelation. And listen, we, we read the scripture and we think, well, that was for them back then. That's great. Paul was doing it. Holy Spirit breathed it through Paul for us today. This is for us today. This isn't a prayer. This is a prayer that goes on. Listen, I know that my grandparents prayed for me. I never met my grandma, but I'm still being influenced by her prayers today. Those prayers are still over my life. Listen to what he says. It's an apostolic prayer over the church. May he give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know him better. He's like, let them see God. Give them revelation. Give them spiritual perception. Right now, they don't see it. They need wisdom from your spirit. They need revelation. Your heart needs revelation. And then he says, this is what it is. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe, the same power that rose Christ from the dead. That is who you are. That is a Christ follower. That is a saint. And some of you have forgotten and you just say, Lord, give me revelation. Open my eyes. Open our eyes. That's my prayer for today. That the Lord will open your eyes again and give you spiritual perception. I want to read a different version. It says this. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to, to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of his immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him. I believe that the church needs that apostolic prayer right now. We need revelation. We need Elisha's who will stand up and say, do not fear, open their eyes at winter retreat for the youth. We need Elisha's that will be back home that will say, open their eyes, Lord. Open their eyes. That will say, do not be afraid over this church and over every member of it. We need Elisha's. And I believe he's opening our hearts. He wants to open our hearts. The Holy Spirit wants to illuminate the scriptures to your heart. He wants to put his fire within you. He wants to put it in you. And he wants to give you insight even now. And hearts burning. Remember at the road to Emmaus? Their hearts burned. When Jesus was telling them the scriptures, he was opening their eyes, opening them to revelation, to see him in the scriptures. When's the last time your heart burned? Lord Jesus, let us burn. Open our eyes. And he opens our eyes for this one reason. He opens our eyes so we can shine the light. The light of Christ. The light of Christ. The world is not our home. We are not. Say not. Not. We are not like those without hope. 
And there's people all around without hope. And I believe that God will use this time in this world when people are afraid to look to him and how, they will, and how are they gonna look at him? How are they gonna see him in this time? You, the Elishas, you, you're a hope giver. Jesus said, you are the light. You are the light of the world because Christ is in you and it's his light. There are so many people who feel incredibly unsettled, unsure, and anxious, and they're looking somewhere for hope. It's you. We need a bunch of Elishas that will pray, open their eyes to Jesus. Listen, I know you don't feel like Elisha. I know you don't wake up and feel like that. You're like, man, I, I can't wait. I'm going to feel like an Elisha or Elijah. It's not about a feeling. It's about faith. It's about a bunch of Elishas that roll out of bed, open up their spiritual eyes, and say, I'm here for you, Jesus. Open their eyes, Lord. Open their eyes. And see, you don't feel it, but he declares it over you. You're a son. You're a daughter. He declares that you're a bunch of radical, faith-filled hope givers. You are light shiners. Because listen, church, whenever the world grows darker, the light of Jesus just shines brighter. Amen? Maybe you've forgotten hope. Maybe you're fearful. Ben, you can come up. I want to read a scripture to you. Yesterday we were driving, and I hope my phone doesn't mess up. I meant to grab it from Ellie. Yesterday we're driving to the um, Highland City Prayer Walk, and we're driving there, and, and my daughter out of the back seat says, hey, Daddy, last night I was praying, and I felt like the Lord told me to just open up my Bible. He was going to give me a word. And I was like, okay. So now it's got my attention. And this is the verse. And, she, and it's like to give a word for that prayer walk. But I think it's not just for that prayer walk. It's a prayer over our times. Listen to it. So she opened it up. This is what God gave her. Isaiah 60, one through two. Arise, shine your light. Arise, shine your light. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord shines over you. For look, darkness will cover the earth and total darkness the peoples. But the Lord will shine over you and his glory will appear over you. Listen, darkness is, is scattering all over people right now, right? But the promise of the word of God says this. It says, arise and shine. Arise for the light has come, Jesus has come, and he will shine over you, and his glory will appear over you. Amen? Amen? That's a word for us. That's a word for believers in this nation. That's a word for our world. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the light of life, your son, your anointed one, Jesus Christ the Lord, the king, the one that sits at your right hand of majesty. We declare his name, the name above all names. We're not ashamed of that name. That name is the power of the gospel unto men. We're not ashamed of that name. We are not fearful. Lord, we go forward in faith. Lord, we know you're shaking this earth. But we know we cannot be shaken and we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray you would open eyes. Father, that you'd let me be an Elisha this morning over this church, over those at home. Open your eyes, I declare. Open your eyes. And Father, we love you. And we want to be with you, Jesus, to abide in you. 
We know that as we abide in you, you have appointed times of fruitfulness for this church, for the youth group, for the children's area, for the Spanish church, and for us in our lives, in our marriages, in our children. Appointed times as we abide in you. You are the vine. We are the branches. You're the one that bears fruit through us. All glory to God in heaven. All glory to the Lamb of God who sits on the throne. We praise you this time. Open their eyes, Father. Open their eyes. Open their eyes. Holy Spirit, come with your fire and burn within us again. Father, I don't want cold religion. I want the same zeal you placed in your son for your house. Lord, we're asking for the zeal that you put in Jesus that consumed him for his father's house, our father's house. Consume us with that same zeal. Consume this church. Consume the youth group with that zeal. Pour it out, Lord. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.